Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, Ione. Hi, Olivia, and hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ione, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Polyester Online, in print and everywhere else. And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes with a sleepover called Bosley and Obsessions every so often. And confessions! But this week it is the Obsessions episode where we talk to a person we admire about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income. And next week is the Sleepover Club where Ernie and I have all this gorge conversations you'd usually have at a sleepover with your girlmates. A very special sleepover club at that, but you will find out more next week. We're so secretive. I know. (laughs) We wouldn't tell you until next time. (laughs) Oh, and we do not have any new reviews today as we're recording a little bit ahead of time. But please, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and we can read them out and give you a kiss on the cheek. Which might be allowed again soon. You never know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't think so. Next week seems a bit um <laughs> a bit optimistic. <laughs> so Olivia, my obsession is this guest this week. Yeah, I, I love I love this obsession, this guest's obsession. I actually wrote a list of all the things the films they spoke about and then watched some trailers and got absolutely spooked. So <laughs> So as we all know, Olivia is a massive worse. But our <laughs> guest today is Emma Dabry, author of What White People Can Do Next from Allyships Coalition and also the brilliant Don't Touch My Hair, which I'm sure loads of people have read both of those titles because they're both absolute bangers emma is a legend yeah big time legend great just great person all around really and we're going to be talking about ghost stories and folklore right yeah yeah which is a sick topic i'm not a wuss i only i'll bring that for the last minute or whatever it is that we've been recording this no you're not a wuss it's fair enough to get scared i've decided i've made the decision for myself that i'm not going to watch purposefully sad things unless I'm already invested in the series uh, yeah. or whatever but you know everyone's talking about Nomadland the new Frances McDormand that she won the Oscar for yeah. and the director won the best director at the Oscars I've just heard it's really sad so I'm like I'm not gonna watch that right now at least no. I'm gonna wait yeah I think that's that's a good um, indication of being a grown-up isn't it is going <laughs> oh that's not gonna that's not gonna be good for me <laughs> yeah yeah true not putting yourself through emotional distress on purpose Exactly. Yeah, here is the interview. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Tired, but good. 
So today we're going to be talking about ghost stories and folklore, which is such a good obsession. I'm interested to hear your kind of like obsession origin story with this. Yeah, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't even know. I've just like loved both ghost stories and folklore um, from like a very young age. Like, I do think it's partially through being Irish and there being like a folklore that is very like present and you know even like a lot of the children's stories like are about like fairies and like the little people and like you've got that kind of um you've got that heritage that's just very that's very present you know and I remember from like a young age like being like terrified but also like reading more about like the banshee or like the puka and all of these um these Irish kind of figures from the mythology and the folklore so yeah it's also I feel like it's quite like a it's a country where the it's quite a magical place like in 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 lots of ways yeah and um I just feel it was kind of like yeah like tapping tapping into that is like originally where the interest comes from but it really like influences like decisions I make like so for instance my my PhD title has now changed but at one stage it was like mixed race a ghost story and I was using this kind of theory of like hauntology to talk about race one of like my favorite sociological texts is by a woman called Avery Gordon a um an American sociologist called Avery Gordon and her book called Haunting and the Sociological Imagination is like one of my favorite like sociology texts and even that brings in like hauntology and it looks at um, Toni Morrison's Beloved which obviously has the central character being the spirit or the ghost of um, Seth the main protagonists it's her daughter's ghost that is um, one of the central characters in the book and Avery Gordon's Haunting of the Sociological Imagination does this like analysis of beloved and kind of proposes looking at literary texts through a sociological lens it's a really interesting and kind of like innovative way of of doing sociology so yeah it's something that like I am kind of think about a lot and kind of like just have a, a deep interest in even um like I lived in Japan for two years and partially the reason that I was so interested in Japan was because I loved like their horror films you know mm. and um I don't even sorry I'm just talking so feel free no, to it's like amazing. jump in no, it's, amazing. <laughs> it's literally so amazing uh yeah I don't never really get to talk about this stuff so I'm really like grateful for the for the opportunity their horror films I don't like when I say I like horror films I guess the assumption is I like kind of slasher violent films I really actually abhor them I don't like that I like um horror films that are more to do with the supernatural or towards like sci-fi but the reason I think a lot of Japanese horror films appeal to me so much and more laterally Korean when I got to know them a bit better was because again maybe similarly to Ireland but in a way that comes through more in their filmmaking I feel like their folklore is very present in their contemporary culture, you know? So you have this combination of like the contemporary and the technologically advanced and ultra modern with this very like ancient folkloric tradition. And a lot of their horror films 
I think they had a kind of golden age of horror films that like, you know, fused those things together. So you have like kind of, you know, like high school horrors, but there's kind of spirits from the from the pantheon, you know, like the grudge. And then there's like, there's like their mobile phones, but the phones are like haunted and all of this (laughs) kind of stuff. So I just think they do that really well. And even in lockdown, like I got really obsessed with this Korean series on Netflix. And I was really, I think it's like massive in other parts of the world, but here nobody seems to know about it. I was really trying to make it a thing and nobody seems (laughs) particularly interested. (laughs) But it was called, oh Jesus, I don't even know what it was called. Uh, Oh, Korean Odyssey. It was called in English. I don't know what it was called in in Korean. I think it had like a a different name. But it's just the story of, um, you know, monkey the legend of monkey and there's like pig it's basically like all of these gods that come from chinese mythology but they're also like kind of present in a lot of um i think their origins are in china but they're present in a lot of um korean stuff as well and it was like basically monkey is this god and he's actually like pretty like he's not like a benevolent god he's actually like really like petty and like vain <laughs> and spiteful and actually like <laughs> Sounds relatable. <laughs> he's quite wicked, okay, but he's also like really kind of like hot and charming and um, very well dressed. But it's like, yeah, kind of like this story between him and this woman, but it, it fuses all of these things together. Like on one level, it's a rom com, but on another level, it's actually like it features all of these monsters who are like, you know, can be like pretty nasty and pretty scary things happen. Um, so it's that, that mixing of like genres that I've not really, not really seen done before in, um, like series from over here. Um, yeah, just super appealing. I'm definitely going to watch that. Have you watched that? Like, I can't remember what it's called either. So this is going to be really frustrating. (laughs) It's on Netflix, but it's BBC and it's like half a Japanese like crime show and half in London. So it's set like half in Tokyo, half in London. And like, it's kind of set up like, you know, this like line of duty thing, but then there's like this like, undertone of yeah kind of like spirituality and like not being in control it's very good but they cancelled it after one season <laughs> I watched that in lockdown and <laughs> yeah, I know literally I think it was too expensive but it's so interesting because like when you're saying about growing up with this kind of folklore like what I was thinking about straight away is how I was like really interested in this stuff too but kind of the only access I had to it or at least the original access was through obviously like Disney and like kids films and stuff and it feels like mm in England and like America and in the West we kind of like frivolize folklore and all of these things quite a lot when they have like obviously quite like deep historical and cultural roots like what do you think of that yeah to be honest I'd not really like I'd not really considered that before but it makes yeah that 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 makes sense to me I guess it's become more like traditions that you know do have long roots here maybe there's been more like of a disconnect from them and people are acquainted with them or introduced to them through a more commodified kind of version of them. That's really interesting. Like I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. I had thought about the contrast between like Ireland and England in that way, but I hadn't considered that point that you, that you make. Cause obviously like England has, you know, as well, like loads of, amazing like folklore and um loads of kind of like pagan stuff and like spirituality and and all of that 
But um, I do think like in Ireland, yeah, it seems a bit closer to the surface. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I think because like when I'm just trying to think about like my own way that I got into it, yeah, it's definitely through like films and stuff. And then I was just dead into fairies when I was a kid. I, <laughs> I can't even remember why. Like I had, I had a fairy bedroom. Like wow. my mom kept up the like illusion that the tooth fairy was real for so long. She wrote like tiny, tiny notes and like put them under my pillow. And then I'd go around like, oh my God, the tooth fairy actually wrote to me like fully believed for ages. <laughs> but then it feels like for myself and like maybe other people, with similar experiences it's like then when you're older maybe a teenager you learn about like Brothers Grimm and like the gnarly side of these things and like that it's not just all like princesses and stuff and it's kind of weird how yeah like that history has just been sanitized like I was listening to a podcast about like the history of mermaids and stuff and just like going right back to when people first started believing in mermaids and obviously that was like during colonization times when like Europeans were going everywhere and it's like we just literally don't hear this we just think it's aerial <laughs> like it's just nuts yeah that's so true yeah what so that the story of mermaids um was brought to Europe from colonized from from countries that were being colonized no so more that like people that were colonizing were going over and then thinking they saw mermaids <laughs> and then would like report back and be like I mean I'm sure there's what you said as well but like on this podcast is exploring that like yeah kind of like ships men or like whatever going over to places and like seeing these sirens and like not really knowing and all of that kind of thing oh so is this a podcast yes it's an episode of stuff you should know so it's just a single episode but they have they actually have quite a good um they have a good like selection of fairy tales one. Like I think they specifically have a Brothers Grimm episode as well that I remember I listened to like really weirdly and obsessively over and over again on a long haul flight because you know when you're like on airplane modes and you only have what you've got done. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kept falling asleep, so forgetting parts of it and then just listening to it <laughs> over and over again so it's in my brain. God, so- that does sound like a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like folklore, that's how like you live through it, isn't it? Like, oh. So they have one on that and then one on mermaids and they also have a really good one which is definitely uh not related to the subject uh, on satanism which completely changed my mind on satanism which i would recommend Ooh. and so what's the podcast called again is this everything you it's stuff you should know okay i want to check out the mermaid episode it's yeah and in ireland there's um selkies so the i think they're women i think they're always women actually and they're seals but they take um oh that puff of smoke looked so enigmatic um, <laughs> 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 only time vaping has been called enigmatic i love it <laughs> um it just yeah it just felt quite like atmospheric for what we were for the nature of our conversation so yeah the selkies are seals but they can take the form of women and um they often come to land and um have relationships with men and they're very beautiful women they take the form of very beautiful women but then they eventually always go back to the sea and the men I think never quite know where they've gone and then there's there's a really amazing kids film actually an Irish kids film called Song of the Sea it's so beautiful and the music is so beautiful the music is like so haunting and it's about like um, these two little kids and they live with their dad who's like a single dad their mom's gone and it turns out that their mom was like a selkie and um, it's a brother and sister and the little girl is also one as well. So it's about her kind of being like, or is half one. 
and oh, the boy wow. isn't because he's a boy and it's about her kind of being called back to the sea and all of this magical stuff <laughs> happening it's really good yeah it's interesting that like a lot of um kind of these stories are quite like feminine focused as well like why do you think that that is oh interesting um maybe because they they come from periods in time before the the type of patriarchy and the reduction of the limiting of women's power and the reduction of women to particularly circumscribed and prescribed roles was imposed perhaps maybe because they, they, they come from they come from the before time because I think there's often there's often a, an assumption <laughs> there's often an assumption you know that certain things that are very entrenched have just always it's always been like this and that's often you know not the case not the case at all sometimes with um with stories obviously like conventionally you think if you think of a child hearing a story it's like when they're being nurtured or taught something so like maybe like either in in to help them sleep is like obviously a common one which is like conventionally historically going to happen like between mother and child and also just like to learn to I always say to learn them a lesson, to teach someone a lesson. I always get them mixed up. I don't know why. I like it. So like, <laughs> if you think, yeah, we have that in Ireland as well. Like that'll learn you. Yeah. Like, that'll teach yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the support. Um, so yeah. So if you, so if you imagine like a parent trying to learn the child a lesson and how like stories, you know, like the boy who cried wolf is like a really classic one or just ways of telling stories to be like, you know, to advise children on safety or whatever and then I was just thinking on it now how like the more grim fairy tales the ones that are like a bit more like horror like a bit scarier are like well more true to life and actually make you feel better than the like Disney princess one because the Disney princess one when you get older you're like whoa that's like so loaded with sexism and it's really racist it's really homophobic and then (laughs) the really grim ones you're like well, at least I, like I can really relate to that horrible feeling. Like it's definitely how people have made me feel. And... I was such a weird kid. Like I never watched. I never watched like Disney um, when I was growing up. Like my favorite film when I was growing up was like the nineteen seventy four like film, <laughs> film version. Because to be very specific in like the particular production, because every other <laughs> version of it is actually really bad. But this particular, I think it's nineteen seventy four. Might be seventy one. I'm pretty sure it's seventy four. The nineteen seventy four version of Jesus Christ Superstar is. <laughs> Absolutely banging, and that was like that was like my favorite film growing up. I was like obsessed, and so it's the story of Jesus and Judas. But like Judas is actually the Judas is actually the star. Judas is actually the one that you sympathize with in this telling of it. You know, he's a conflicted person, but he's actually in the version that I've seen, he's actually kind of he's kind of like a radical socialist, you know? Um, And Jesus's head is like real turned by like the fame and the kind of the fame and the glamour or uh, that's certainly how Judas perceives it. And um, Judas is played by this um, actor called Carl Anderson, this black American actor who's just like, like as I'm older, I can be like, oh my God, he's absolutely beautiful and has an amazing voice. But when I was like a kid, I, it's not that I thought he was beautiful. Like I didn't fancy him. I was like a small child. It's more just like, he was like my role model. Like I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I, just like I love him. There wasn't really much representation either. I think I was just like grateful to see a black person. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm being silly, but like he, um, yeah. So that, that's kind of, that's what I was watching. Like, but I don't think that's, 
I don't even know if it, I don't know if the program is like particular. It's not common. That's suitable, even like for eight year olds. You know this. There's a lot of um, just a lot of questionable scenes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the type of thing I was watching, rather than I think the more normal cartoons that most children see. Yeah. So been absolutely desperate to ask this since we started the recording, and it's a bit of a <laughs> U-turn. But do you believe in ghosts? Oh. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I don't know what I don't. I don't know what I think. I do believe that, like, we can't like account for everything with our kind of like empirical. There's things kind of beyond our everyday senses, you know. So yeah, I believe in stuff. I don't know if I would. It would be the kind of formulation of ghosts as they're presented. Yeah, I don't. I I actually am just stumped. It's all. I'm it's sorry. All, this question no, no, has just stumped <laughs> me. I'm speechless. It's through me. It's not through me. I mean, I wasn't asked the question, so there's no reason why I should be. I through, would like but... you to answer it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just the thing that I would be thinking is obviously like because I didn't have to answer straight away that I was like, which ghost do you mean? Like, because there's obviously like a thousand what do you ways. Mean, which ghost? Well, oh, you know, which like, type of ghost? Which type? Which, which ghost? <laughs> who in particular? Um, which type of ghost? But I, I, I think I'm similar to you, Emma, in that I'm like, yeah, I defo think there's more. I, I like to think this anyway as someone who like, you know, when you start to think like politically and progressively or whatever, there's there's more than we think and there's more that we're capable of not even necessarily spiritually, just like with our capacities and, and whatever. But then in terms of like ghosts, ghosts, I, I'm i like, mm, I don't know if I do believe in that. But when someone tells a ghost story, I'm like all in. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so like yeah. I love a ghost story. I, I love being around people who are convinced that they've experienced a ghost, like whether they've seen it or felt it or whatever. I'm like, if someone believes that that has happened to them, I'm not, 
I'm not even like, you know, the way people are like, oh, cynical of like fortune tells or whatever. If someone can get themselves to that place where they've experienced that, I'm like, tell me everything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And actually, as as you're talking, it's it's giving me just like a moment to kind of like reflect more. And I'm thinking as well that um, I guess ghosts are maybe like they're they're kind of culturally specific. I'm thinking about like the Nigerian part of my heritage, um, whereby the kind of indigenous belief systems um, within amongst the Yoruba, which is my dad's ethnic group, but also that you see a lot. Um, throughout Africa is this belief in like you know there's like ancestral veneration that is like central to the spiritual belief systems and that's quite different to that's different to ghosts you know but it's there's a belief Mm. that like um, you know the ancestors are like kind of are, are, are born again you know and there's a there's more of a circularity in time in that like the ancestors those of us who are born and the unborn are more in like a um, kind of a, a cyclical relationship with each other as opposed to, you know, more Judeo-Christian linearity that sees the dead and the living as like, you know, really, it, it imagines them first of all as the dead and the living and those are seen as really separate and it's like there's a finality Whereas in some of those um, indigenous belief systems where the notion of ancestors is really central, it's like the ancestors are, you know, are reborn. Yeah. And there's that relationship between them, us, and the unborn, you know. Because, like, if you kind of think about, like, westernized kind of ghost stories or, like, English ones and, like, even, like, English Christianity, it's kind of like about fear isn't it so you like fear the dead you like fear ghosts they're gonna come and haunt you and be like nasty even like what olivia was saying about like boy who cries wolf or like red riding hood or whatever that's like a cautionary tale or whatever like in like that way we don't really use fairy tales folklore or ghost stories like enrich we use it to like fear (laughs) like breed fear Yeah. yeah that's very true and um, in lots of African um, spiritual systems, you know, the, the ancestral spirits and the deities are actually, um, you know, they're invited um, through ritual to mount mediums. I, I think about that understanding and that that desire to be in communication with the ancestral spirits that's seen as, you know, how knowledge is disseminated. It's seen as how healing occurs as opposed to the Christian understanding of, you know, being possessed by like an evil spirit, you know, and exorcisms. And it's all like Mm -hmm. very different. And it's like, yeah, the the dead, which is again, a very, the dead is such a different understanding to an ancestral spirit, you know, it's a very different Mm -hmm. kind of conception. And yeah, the the dead are to like, you know, be feared and avoided. And actually my Mm -hmm. stepfather was like a very, he was Seventh-day Adventist and Seventh-day Adventists are pretty like, you know, strict. And I was actually Seventh-day Adventist as well for, for a few years, but he was um, always very, very discouraging. He's not Irish. He was living in Ireland, um, but he was always very discouraging of my interest, you know, in kind of like folklore 
an Irish mythology. And I remember I had this book and it was like, there was a spell in it. And it was like, if you say this, then you'll see what you will see or something. And he was just like, yeah, you'll see what you'll see. Yeah. yeah, You know, like really like, yeah, say that and see what happens. (laughs) And I was really like, so like, um, (laughs) that kind of heightened, like a sense of like, I guess like fear around, around that kind of those kind of traditions or culture. Yeah, because he came from like a, a very kind of like strict Christian yeah. perspective that saw all of that stuff as like you know very undesirable and to be avoided. For you, what kind of then like broke down that fear and made it more something that you could delve into in like an interesting or even like productive way? Well, just that same kind of fear around it wasn't like reproduced in the broader society that I lived in. You know, he was coming from quite a different cultural background. Um, for other people, I feel like it was just something that was, you know, it was just kind of ordinary, you know, wasn't really like, wasn't certainly wasn't kind of perceived in a way where it was like real, like demonized or seen as something to be like deeply, to be deeply fearful of. I do think, I don't know, the interest was just there and it just like, it just, it just maintained. Like, I'm not the kind of person I, like, I would never do, you know, when like kids, I don't know if this was like a big thing when you guys were like, when you guys were younger, but when I was in my early teens, you know, people were like doing Ouija boards and stuff. And like, mm. I would never mm-hmm. no, do any of that. I did them. I fucked with a Ouija board. You still do. Why are you probably doing one now? <laughs> no. Oh my God. Yeah, my questions are coming for a channeled spirit. <laughs> so I think, I think that kind of, that kind of side of things, I probably, because of like, um, maybe some of the way like my stepdad was and stuff I, that I did I was like nah that's that's too much for me so mine was just more you know like kind of just like a, a, a gentle interest in folklore rather yeah. than actually you know trying to communicate with anything in that fashion it's like mad how because I'm just thinking like yeah because when I grew up I think I, I always thought it was maybe something to do with being from like a city that's on a port but like storytelling was like a constant in my life when I was growing up and I, st- I think I do, my friends always like you're a good, great storyteller and I'm like how often do I tell stories like <laughs> I was just do it all the time but um I was thinking about like yeah when I was growing up my I don't know whether it was like to be close to like feeling of something but my dad would always tell me like the maddest stories like again sometimes stuff that was like well too intense for at the age that I was like he'd be telling me all these mad things that had happened when he was a kid or whatever but my mum watched The Exorcist when she was a kid and had done a Ouija board and it like terrified her and so like I've never ever been engaged with either of those things I'm like it was my mum was like if you watch The Exorcist you'll never sleep again like (laughs) do you know what I mean and so it's like mad that on the one hand there would be all these like yeah great stories and like mad tales about like real but not real life um stuff but then when it came to like actual scary spirits it was like no 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 don't go anywhere near that yeah yeah I I love the like the push of the folklore and the horror but then I I still don't really watch horror films because I've just got my mum in the back of my head being like if you watch The Exorcist yeah and I don't like I don't really like horror films you know I, I prefer more as I was saying stuff that's like you know like I like folk horror. There's mm. actually there's a film called Kwai Kwaidan, a Japanese anthology film from 1963, 1964, some 
early 60s and it ha- it takes four stories from it's stunning looking as well like it's just like highly stylized um and just really really beautiful to 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 see um but it takes four stories from japanese folklore and then like retells them and kwaidan means wow. the strange strange things so I, that's kind of more what i'm into you know like mm-hmm. the peculiar there's an author called robert Aikman, who I really love, he has a book called The Red Wine, The, the Red Wine Sea, The Red Dark Sea. Robert Aikman, anyway, and his uh, he's writing in the ooh maybe the fifties, sometime between the fifties and the seventies. I'm actually not sure. And they're kind of ghost stories, but they're just weird. Like they're just peculiar. They're peculiar yeah. and unsettling stories, and they're so good. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like the exorcist, again, like going back to the morality thing, like that's obviously such a story of morality, like over anything else, like whether it's intrigue or whatever. Whereas then like, even if you look at like a contemporary horror parallel, even like Midsummer, for example, has a few more like layers that make you think about things than the exorcist. I still, I actually really like the exorcist, but it's interesting, like talking about it with you two who like maybe have a more, like grounded in terms of like you know from your parents or your culture or whatever whereas I've always been like pop culture centric in that way like even my mum like my mum was like yeah watch the exorcist yeah watch like um can't even remember the film like day of the dead or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and so like maybe that's why I wasn't scared (laughs) of the Ouija board for example because like I literally have like no ground like when I when I was like asking do you believe in ghosts like I actually just don't think I do I'm like very straight laced when it comes to these things even ask me about aliens I probably don't believe in them even though it's like definitely true that there could be um (laughs) and I wonder like because I just see folklore and like all of even like witchcraft whatever like I would I do think that there are elements that are like real and especially like in a historical context, but I just find them more interesting on a personal level of a way to like, yeah, understand myself or like other people or like the way that we view things, I suppose, which is kind of what you were saying at the beginning, Emma, like from a sociological, anthropological point of view. I don't have a question. I just ranted for ages. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about as soon as you started speaking at the beginning, because at first I was like, are we just going to tell ghost stories? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd like be keen to do anyway. But um, my friend Michelle was saying once, she was talking kind of about how when you're at like an emotional stage of your life, sometimes you are drawn to horror because of how provocative the feeling is. So like when things, when your emotions are heightened, sometimes you kind of have to also experience heightened emotion. You know, you're just like all in for everything. And then she was kind of saying that, like, she realised a lot from watching horror that, like, in terms of, like, conversations about being gaslighted, like, it being marginalised and people kind of saying, like, oh, no, like, that doesn't exist or, you know, maybe they're not, they're probably not being sexist. Maybe it's just, like, you know, you're being sensitive or whatever. And she was like, it's the biggest trope in all kind of horror films that the person, the main person isn't believed that something isn't right. So it's how, like, um, they'll be like, oh, you know, like, Stranger Things is a good example, the way the mum's like, my son's been taken by, Mm. like, something that's paranormal. And everyone's like, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, it's so, it makes so much sense that 
that like horror narrative has carried on for so long and like marginalized people conventionally are horror like are that kind of the fan of that kind of art form because they're like oh yeah I can relate to being told that it's all in my head yeah that's very true that's very true Uh, like I love the twilight zone um uh, but like I like the when presented by Ron Sterling Rod Sterling Mm. the guy who's like the the dawn and a lot of those films a lot of those stories actually do deal with kind of like social justice issues um and this is like back in the day and a couple of them even even deal with race so it was um I was excited when um Jordan Peele took over the there was a remake of the Twilight Zone and it was hosted by by Jordan Peele but it actually wasn't great I was I was quite disappointed in it um Kind of got swept under the rug a bit as well, didn't it? Yeah, I was very aware of it because I love the Twilight Zone and I love him. So I was just like, ah, there's a match made in heaven. But then I was like, yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit underwhelmed, underwhelmed by it. But he's really interesting to me because I've loved him since, um, like his sketch show, Key and Peel. And, um, when Get Out came out, everyone was just like, oh, but he's a comedian. That's mad that he's doing a horror, horror film. And I was like, no, if you watch the, so that, that I actually think that, you know, there's like a, there's an interesting line between comedy and, and also like the sketches were comedic and a lot had to do with race, but there was definitely like a, a horror narrative, like under, underpinning lots of them. And I was like, no, if you watch his sketches, it's not that, it's not that big a leap to me that he's making a horror film. Like I can really actually see the connections and, um, the League of Gentlemen, which has not aged well <laughs> at all, um, <laughs> highly, highly problematic in many ways. It was um, actually, do you know, when I first moved, it was kind of big when I first moved to England and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, is this like what? Like loads of my uni <laughs> friends were into yeah, it and literally. I was just like like I'm sorry but then you know when you just actually get like exposed to something like like exposed to something a lot and then you kind of yeah so I got um into some of it um I I ended up watching watching quite a bit of it basically and then when I was watching Key and Peele I could actually see there were kind of grotesque things in it that I was like oh I wonder if they've watched like the League of Gentlemen even I I could I, I felt like there might be kind of resonances there yeah horror and race so roundup question what do you think is like the place of folklore and ghost stories in like our current modern culture I think it's kind of more important than ever like one of the things that I write about in uh, the book that I've just written um what white people can do next is like our disconnect from um how the kind of origins of the invention of whiteness as a racial category also a system which has origins in the kind of early forms of of capitalism um how that you know created a way of living that really did lots of really really damaging things which i go into in the book but one of them was you know really interrupting our relationship with nature and this like entanglement that, you know, seeing ourselves as very separate to our environment and the natural world, like humans seeing themselves as kind of lord and master of the natural world. And I feel like that understanding more of a like kind of an entanglement with nature and the environment um, in the way that people kind of like 
pre-colonial cultures did and I'm even talking about like you know in Ireland and stuff you know not not just um in other parts of the world where all of these kind of where that relationship with nature is a really influential part of these myths and legends and folk and folklore they come from that kind of interconnectivity with the environment and with the natural world you know it's kind of like a personification of that in many ways I think like kind of with the ecological crisis and with reimagining our relationship to our environment and the world around us, the necessity of um, mythology and folklore has actually never been more, more urgent. Folklore is radical. That was great. Thank you, Emma. Absolutely bloody loved it. Emma is so wise and it's definitely just made me want to learn a million trillion different yeah. things. Yeah, it's made me want to think really theoretically and like thought like thoughtfully about things. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, not just like I scared ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. But yeah, thank you for another brilliant episode. We will be back later this week with Confessions and then next week with Sleepover Club. As we already mentioned, it is a very special one, so do not miss it. Well, don't miss any episodes, actually, because what are you doing? And if you would like to be featured on the Confessions episode this week or next week or the week after, but sooner rather than later would be good, you can either leave us a review or you can DM me on Instagram. It's at IonyGamble or at polyesterzine. Or you can drop me an email, Ioni at polyesterzine.com. I feel like that was a bit confusing, but I'm sure you can understand. <laughs> There'll also be all the details in the episode description. But for now, yeah, thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Ioni. And thank you to all of you thanks listeners. Thanks again to Emma. Thanks to Emma. Thank you to Gina, Gina, Carlin, Julia, Charlotte, Eden. And that's it, I think. Fabulous. All right, then. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. 
So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.